This is a Career Channel program from UC San Diego Extension. Visit us at uctv.tv slash careers for videos, employment news, and trend articles to help recent college graduates and those in career transition bridge to better employment. At the end of the day, all of this is about serving people. That's where I think each of our hearts are as we do our work each and every day. And so as we think about job quality and what it means, it's really about what it means for all of us in our community, right? It's, it's what it means for all of our families. And as we think about immigrants and refugees, they're an incredible part of our community. As we look at the data from an organization called New American Economy, we see that immigrants and refugees represent 24% of San Diego County. That's nearly a fourth of our community members, our neighbors, our colleagues, our friends, right? And when we think about what that means in economic terms, that's representing something like $7.5 billion in taxes paid. That's $20 billion in earning power. That's a significant piece of our economy. That, that's something that needs to be part of any strategy we have for how we serve our workforce. And this is something that hits incredibly personally for me. I'm the spouse of an immigrant engineer who came to the U.S. after living through 10 years of civil war in his own country and who struggled to find a job in the States with a degree speaking three languages it was difficult to integrate into the community. And so when I look at data such as that from the Migration Policy Institute, and I see that something like nearly 2 million immigrants come in with college degrees and have not been able to fully integrate into communities. The impact that has is missing out on something like $39 billion in wages. This is something that means we're missing out as a community on that talent, right? We're missing out on businesses having inclusive growth as a result. Um, so, but I think the best way to understand this is by hearing directly from individuals for whom have experienced this firsthand, right? That you have lived through this. And so they're going to share personal stories, but I think there are pieces of this that we can learn from and be inspired by. Um, so Tainan Ramatul, I'm so happy to have you... Uh, have you with us today. Um, Dinah, can you share a bit about your personal journey coming to the U.S. and to the point now of being a business owner? Yeah, thank you, Brooke. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, so I migrated here in, from the Philippines 20 years ago, and when I came, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I got introduced into a senior care industry so I started as a bathing aid in a large-scale uh, scale facility. I, um, there's like a 99 beds, and that was my first job. And coming here was not that easy, but the opportunities had been given, so I just grabbed it. As an immigrant, you just got to have to grab whatever you can to survive. And uh, two years after that, I was able to find another job to be a private caregiver. To and um, I was able to serve two um, awesome seniors that have made a huge impact in my life. And I just find myself that, wow, this is actually what I'm going to be doing, serving the seniors. So when I, ma I got married, um, met my husband, who has been very supportive. He's here in the audience as well. 
um, we were able to acquire a facility, a six-bed care facility, and me and my husband, we were the caregivers, and we started um, hiring caregivers. And for me to have no experience, I'm a high school graduate from the Philippines, but my driving passion is my ambition. I'm an ambitious, and coming here with just 35 U.S. dollars was a very brave move. And my mom, my dad were here, and my sister, so they accommodated me and, and helped me integrate into the workforce for whatever is available at the time. And um, growing my business from having six beds facility to another, I was able to see that there's actually a need in the senior care industry, and I, I want to be a part of the uh, uh, solution. And in 2015, later of 2015, I um, launched First Promise Care Services. It's a non-medical in-home care services that serves seniors in the comfort of their own homes. And again, I started that business with 500 US dollars plus me going out and serving seniors. And I hired a caregiver, I hired a helper, and right now we have uh, 60 plus employees that are serving and making a difference in the community of seniors. That's phenomenal. When we think about soft skills like grit and dedication, I think going from $35 or 500 to a business that's now supporting people is incredible. And Ramatul, your story is a little bit different, but you were providing an incredible set of support to troops and NATO prior to coming in. Can you share about your experience? Yes. Hello, everyone. So uh, I started uh, working for U.S. Army in Afghanistan, and uh, prior to that, I was a volunteer with the United Nations Human uh, uh, Settlement Program. They call it UNHABITAT. So uh, I worked four years for U.S. Army, and then I migrated to U.S., and I started off uh, after six months of being unemployed and juggling for jobs, and I started off for being a pizza delivery. However, I worked with the U.N., and I missed another part. I worked for Afghanistan Chamber of Commerce, and I had a degree in business administration and associate a bachelor in business and associate in public administration. All uh, education were foreigner education curriculums like from Europe and America. I've been taught in English, but when I got here, nobody just paid attention to that or trusted that experience and credential, and I have to start as a pizza delivery. And uh, uh, these uh, career development programs really helped me to be uh, here today and then work with International Rescue Committee and I help other refugees right now and I'm a financial education coordinator so what I do basically I teach and coach refugees on US financial systems Incredible. Both of you have taken those life experiences and really applied them not only to transform the situation for yourself and your family, but are making an incredible impact in the community. Um, but sometimes when we're trying to support people, there are gaps in our systems. Things don't work as they should. Ramatul, you're thinking day in and day out about the job seeker. What are some gaps you see and what can we do to fill those gaps? Um, 
I mean, uh, it's it's not one or two. It's a lot, unfortunately. And then I don't want you all leave this uh, symposium with a negative hold. So uh, the gap, one of the problem is uh, the recertification issue for uh, refugees. I have seen doctors and engineers, as you said, uh, they need to be recertified. And they don't know from where to start. Also, uh, they have all these skills. They just lack some soft skills and maybe some English, and that's all. So uh, struggling with the uh, stress and all the anxieties of like being away from your family, refugee, and to pay your rent, and just right up front the next month rent, and all those. So it's really hard to navigate to, from where to start. So uh, the, the career centers are supporting, yes, but the child care is another issue. And uh, the benefit cliff or the welfare system sometimes is a really a lot of bureaucracy. And then, so it's, it's a lot around there. And uh, uh, refugees for the first few years, they are pretty new, have a lot of acculturation, and then even I was able to speak English. I was not able to speak the English, which is more uh, soft and diplomatic with the culture acceptable in the U.S. I, I come from a culture background. I'm, I'm very straightforward in most of the cases, and that's creating a problem. So, so... <laughs> So those are the things that refugees are struggling. Those are the least, you know. There, there's a lot. We have refugees coming. They have a huge date. They don't know. They just got the credit card at home, and then they don't know how it works. And there is much more which I can share. I, I think you hit on so many important pieces from the spoken and unspoken aspects of language to how we think about two-generational support and for those of you who were with us last year, you heard uh, Laura share about the work we're doing as it relates uh, to childcare. And so uh, just navigating all of those pieces right in the system, that the benefits cliff, which are difficult often to navigate for any of our job seekers, but even more so, imagine navigating it in a language that you don't speak at all or you don't speak well yet. Um, just an incredible consideration. And for Dinah, as an employer, right, you've come to the point of starting that business and you have a particular passion around helping other immigrants as part of that. But what do you see as challenges from the employer side, right, for how they tap into the skill sets of immigrants and refugees in the communities? And what, what more can they do? So uh, one thing that I... Um one of the problem, I would say, is the communication. Um, this is really big on whenever we send caregivers to clients' home, like if they can't understand English, it's going to be like this, like they would call our office. And so we would, with that problem, we, it's very important that we, when we are screening our um, employees or, uh, or um, a caregiver that would be applying, uh, we want to make sure that they can understand English. And so this is the integration. So communication is very important. So if you want to be respected, both sides, it, it, it actually benefits both the employers, the clients, and 
the employees, the caregivers, if you don't know how to communicate. And so, again, this is America. We are all here. We understand. We need to be able to understand each other, and communication, again, is, is a big factor. And, of course, cultural skills. So I myself, I came from the third world country. This is so different from where I was raised. And we don't know how to operate, uh, like, uh, let's say, microwave. We didn't have that. So there's a lot of little things that we take for granted here. But these little things, little skills that we can actually teach our employees to learn so they can be effective in the workforce and be integrated well and so they can become successful. Yeah, and I think there's, I know we've talked about this concept of how we move from seeing things as a deficit to an asset, right? Those individuals who, who bring not only the grid of experience of everything that they've navigated through, but a second language, right? A cultural understanding for clients that you might be serving who are from other parts of the world, right? As true assets and how we can look at that from an asset-based mentality of what people are bringing to the market. But this, the change around immigrant integration, there was uh, phenomenal work that was done in a launch earlier this year, and many in this room were involved around a strategy for San Diego for immigrant integration. Uh, there's been some phenomenal efforts, right? But this is a place where all of us can play a role, right? Each of us can be change makers, whether we're educators, whether we're workforce practitioners, whether we're employers. What are one or two things, uh, Ramatula, that you would encourage folks to think about what they can do as a change maker in this space? Uh, so uh, the most, or, or to pick two, it's hard, but uh, one of the things, if, if you're an employer, uh, please understand this, that a refugee uh, who came through all this bureaucracy or complicated process and, and survived and resilient enough to establish their life, I think that will be a great asset for your, your business as well. So one of the number one thing you can find in a refugee is that resilience and ability to start from zero ground again and again. That's Please remember that, and then and we should learn from bigger corporations that the CEOs are refugees and then and uh, the top employees are refugee, they may not be very soft and, you know, cheesy mouth speaking skill, but, but they have very good talent, could be profitable for your business. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's number one. Number two, I would ask uh, support of the county and then everybody who is a policymaker or has influential uh, role to uh, you know, uh, just smooth the path for refugees to to get to the higher education or or, or skills they need, or at least recertificate and, and and then translate their skill or transfer their skills, and then you know their workforce. You can generate revenue simply. Well, Dinah, what sh thoughts would you share about how members of the audience can be change makers in this space? I believe to be a change agent um, in, in any demographic, it's very important to value uh, the person, value your employees. And focusing on creating a solution to elevate them where they're at, thus it would elevate your business as well to the next level. 
And as like Ramatullah said, like you know, immigrants are resilient in so many ways. But we start from zero to here. But we have the ability to adapt to what's in front of us. And so as a business employer, it's really important to really recognize uh, some of the strengths of the immigrants. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I hope that, Dinah, like your inspiration, Ramatula, is something that each of us can carry with us, right, as we move into our uh, day-to-day. And I think like these stories and those of many others are, are things that we're using at the Workforce Partnership to really inspire us in the way that we think about how do we serve our whole community. And so that means digging in on how can we make the credential conversion process easier, easier to navigate. How can we make English language learning, working with wonderful partners like adult education more accessible, more contextualized, right? How can we really dig in on where there are those last mile challenges, right, and try to remove those barriers? And how can we partner with employers to really understand that inclusive growth Right, as we've heard and as we've seen already this morning, can be good for them from their business bottom line and good for their employees. Uh, so as we continue with this session this morning, as we hear from the remaining speakers, I, I encourage all of us to come away from this thinking about what can we do to be change makers. We often say in the US that knowledge is power, and I think if we really look at it, we would consider it's putting knowledge into action that's truly powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.